Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. This is Jay Zawoski. Before we get started on today's episode, a little bit of a warning. The language gets a little salty. The descriptions are a little graphic as we discuss the Brad Aldrich uh, investigation. So just a little bit of a warning before we begin. Thank you. Welcome in, friends. This is a new edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC Chicago. With me, as always, is Jay Zawoski of Odyssey, of WBBM, of best-selling author fame and the I'm Fat Podcast. Uh, this is an episode of the show that we have known has been coming for quite some time, and now it's officially here. The uh, Jenner and Block report on the Blackhawks sexual abuse scandal has been released today. Um, lots of damning new revelations within that document. Uh, Al McIsaac and Stan Bowman both no longer with the Blackhawks organization. And now Joel Quenville and Kevin Dayoff both also find themselves under fire after the release of that document today. Obviously, Jay, this has been a really um, emotionally taxing day for a lot of Blackhawk fans, uh, victims of sexual assault. It's been a long time coming, and now that it's here and now that the kind of fallout has begun, um, I guess it's time to kind of start uh, going through this and just to kind of talk through both our feelings on the situation and what exactly that report entails. Yeah, uh, it's it's a, it's a day full of mixed emotions, and uh, the emotion I'm feeling most is uh, fury. Um, because yeah, you know, we got wind of what was happening and, you know, we read some of the allegations, we read some of the things that have been coming out since the story broke earlier this year, but to see the investigation, to see it all laid out on paper, to hear how disgusting it was to see men in power, turn their back on, uh, you know, a, a young adult in need that came to them looking for help for an organization that talks about family and all the BS that they have spun since, God knows when it's all BS from top to bottom. Bowman gone. I don't want to see you in hockey again. McIsaac gone. I don't want to see you in hockey again. Joel Quenville. Guess what? Thanks for the wins. You turned a blind eye to this because hockey mattered to you more than a guy in your organization. So I don't want to hear about players coach. You're not a player's coach anymore. When you turn your back on a damn sexual assault. Jonathan Taves, best captain in hockey, stood by while the victim of this was bullied by teammates. Screw all of it, man. Burn it all down. It's it's disgusting. It is disgusting from top to bottom. And there's nothing that they... I'm glad. I have to say, I'm pleasantly surprised they actually did what they had to do today and got rid of Sam Bowman and got rid of Al McIsaac and washed her hands of it. But don't let this slide. And the BS statement that Danny Wirtz said, well, you know, had this happened in 2021, I think the Stan Bowman now would have said something. Well, why didn't he say something before in 2020, 
2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015, 2014. I can keep going if you'd like. Stan Bowman didn't say a damn word. So don't give me that Stan Bowman's a changed man and a better man. Just because you're quiet and just because you're passive doesn't make you a good man. And Stan Bowman knew this has happened. It's been on his conscience for 11 years and hasn't said a word. And then now, oh, now that it's published, he's going to resign. The second these allegations came out, he should have resigned because his excuse that he was going to now be a distraction. Oh, now you're a distraction. It hasn't been leading up to now, but now BS. It's absolute BS. I'm glad they're gone. I don't want to have to worry about them anymore. I don't care about his drafting. I don't care about his free agents. I don't care about his contracts. And there's no movement clauses. He should not be associated with hockey anymore, period. And the same goes for McIsaac. And I swear to God, if the NHL banned Quinville and Sheveldayov, I'd applaud it. It won't happen. It won't happen. But that's what should happen. How about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I can't really uh, refute anything you said. I can only... Uh echo it I think the thing that kind of stands out to me most above all with all of this is the irony the rich delicious irony of the Blackhawks talking about accountability and the fact that there was a complete lack of accountability from any of this whether it was yes the report obviously laid it bare and put names to a lot of these things but, and yes, Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac and John McDonough are all out of the picture and all probably out of hockey, at least for the foreseeable future. That's not accountability to me. What's also not accountability to me is the way that all of this in the aftermath is being handled. Stan Bowman didn't get fired. Stan Bowman quit. They allowed him to quit. And not because he covered something up. It was because he was a distraction is the statement that they allowed him to release on team letterhead today, calling himself a a distraction. That's not taking accountability. That's not being sorrowful or remorseful for what you did. That is just being Mr. Hockey Guy and hopefully putting a cover letter on another resume for another job down the line. That is not accountability. You go up and down this damn report and all you see are failures of accountability. All you see are people turning their backs on John Doe throughout this entire situation. If you read the accounts of the May 23rd meeting that went down with all of the front office executives and with Joel Quenville, not a single one of those men gave a damn about holding Brad Aldridge accountable. All they cared about was the Stanley Cup final. And to that end, they let Brad Aldridge continue to be a video coach in the organization. And just two days after they won the Stanley Cup, he came out and he assaulted an intern of the team because they allowed him to stay. They can talk about accountability all they want, but when the chips were put in the middle of the table and everybody was told to show their cards, these men all showed themselves to be cowards. None of them was accountable for anything. None of them stood up for John Doe. And that, to me, pisses me off more than anything, is this organization is going to move forward from this, and they're going to say that they're being held accountable. No one was held accountable. All of it was BS. And if you read this report, all I see are a bunch of cowards who have no place in a society like this. And frankly, it 
kind of informs me about the rest of this damn sport and what they truly value. And all it is is that silver Stanley Cup and not the lives of the people that play this game. Period. End of story. That is what stood out to me. And this whole damn report is no one had the balls to admit that what they did was wrong. Yeah. May 23rd is when the meeting happens. June 14th is when John McDonough gets around to informing HR. Oh, and then after that, by the way, uh, Brett Aldrich gets his day with his cup. He gets the ring. He gets to be there for the banner ceremony. He's around. He's he's living his life. He's happy after what he did to John Doe and what the Blackhawks then allowed him to do by just resigning and not doing anything about it to go uh, assault other people down the road, including, like you said, and another Hawks employee two days after they won the Stanley Cup. It's absolutely disgusting. And I said today on the score, you know, well, we got to focus on winning the cup. We don't need these distractions. Here's what you do. This is why you hire John McDonough, marketing guru, as I make the wank motion. You put games on TV and you, and you advertise great players you had on your team. Wow, you're a genius. You're an effing marketing genius. You know what would be genius is you find out about this. You get ahead of it. You say, I know we're in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. This has come to light. As an organization, we stand for A, B, C, D, E. This is not to be tolerated. The 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 Brad Aldrich has been suspended pending investigation, which begins immediately. And what the best part of all of that, by the way, is they gave Brad Aldrich the option to either resign or be investigated. He chose to resign and everybody dropped it, including the team's so-called HR department. Another gem from the report. Yeah, but I'm saying that they they could have handled this mid Stanley Cup playoff. Nobody would have batted an eye if they said, you know what? Sorry, I know we're in the middle of the Western Conference final. This horrible story has come to light. We need to handle it. We need to be transparent about it. He, you know, they can't probably fire him without an investigation happening, but suspended until further notice. As we investigate, we'll update the situation. They find out what happens. He's gone. Everybody knows about it. And the parade is on, and everybody praises the Blackhawks for doing the right thing when they were confronted with the moment. Instead, it gets buried. It takes 11 years for this story to surface, and now we're supposed to be like, well done. Thank you, Danny Words, for laying out all the changes you've made since then. I don't care. John Doe is still a victim now as much as he was 11 years ago and is still dealing with the after effects of those things clearly as it took him 11 years to come forward with this because he was scared of the repercussions. He had been bullied by his teammates, the guys who were supposed to have his back above all else. But nah, he wasn't important enough. Maybe if he had scored more goals in the American Hockey League, he would have been more important to Joel Quenville and John McDonough and Stan Bowman and company. Maybe if he had put the puck in the net a little more often. Absolutely absurd and ridiculous and infuriating. And all, I'm telling you, man, they can never take away the memories of the Hawks winning those Stanley Cups, but they are tarnished as hell. I will yeah. never look at Jonathan Taves or Duncan Keith or Brent Seabrook or Patrick Kane or any of the people on that team the same way ever again. I won't. And I, I, I talk about my favorite hockey players of all time, and Jonathan Taves was, in that, was on that list. And I will never be able to look at him the same way again. He's the captain. He's the guy who got praised. He's the one who was lifted up as the next Steve Eiserman, the next great leader, the Messier Leadership Award. You think Messier or Eiserman would have let this happen on their watch? Truthfully, I don't know the answer to that. I was going to say, yeah. I don't think you want to know the answer. To yeah, that maybe not. But you know what? That conversation's out the window because we have now definitive proof that this victim 
was bullied by his teammates under the watch of Captain Jonathan Taves and his and and all the guys on the team. They knew. They stood by and watched it happen. They're all tarnished. Every cup is tarnished, and it's sickening. I will say that in the report, it does not indicate the extent to which the players knew about the situation. I think that was a common theme throughout is that some people said that they weren't aware of the severity of the situation. And obviously, we can argue till the ends of the earth on whether or not we actually believe that to be the case. I but it's, it, it, what, it did come out repeatedly that they that some executives were not aware of maybe necessarily the extent of the accusations. And that just kind of speaks both to people, I think, as their self-protective instinct and also the fallibility of memory after 11 years. So I think that we do, we do need to say definitively that we don't know exactly what everybody knew, but one thing is clear. They certainly did not exactly act mature about what it was that they did know. Well, how about this? They knew something happened between them. And even if they thought, oh, John Doe and Brad Aldrich are gay, they were still bullied or uh, John Doe was still bullied for that. Correct. Which is absurd on its own, right? That Even that is unforgivable to me. And Black Ace number one, also named in the report, was called a f- by a former Blackhawks player during a game who was taunting him in 2014. So this wasn't just limited to the training camp after Aldrich resigned. This continued for four effing years after that yeah it's it's just it's just sickening man i just i i i i am still surprised that they did the ultimate like thing they had to do and let them go i was almost certain as i we saw this news conference was i think they announced it around 11 that it was going to happen at one and i'm sort of going in my head like okay how are they going to spin this how are they going to let Stan Bowman off the hook here? You know, there were some rumors that it was going to be just McIsaac as the thing was approaching. And I and I think I've said all along when you and I have talked about this, you just watched Al McIsaac will be the fall guy here. Um, and and I, I don't want to be cynical here because I think cynicism is a scourge uh, in this world <laughs> right now. But uh, you have to wonder if the Hawks had been 5-0-1 right now, if Stan Bowman would have suffered the same fate. And I know that's a disgusting thing to think, but it made it a hell of a lot easier to have the record they had right now to let him walk away. Yeah. So I, well, I think that and I know to, that's cynical. I know that's to, cynical to, and I, to possibly kind of diffuse that cynicism a little bit. And I think to uh, bring the temperature down, maybe just a little bit on this, we've obviously given our very impassioned, very emotional, visceral reactions to this. And I think that, Blackhawk fans are going to have to kind of cope with that in their own way in the days and weeks and months ahead. And I think that all of those conversations need to be had and all of those feelings need to be analyzed. I think maybe what we should do for the benefit maybe of our listeners who didn't necessarily read the whole report and they only kind of got the gist of it is maybe hit a couple of key points from the reports that ended up uh, coming out today. Is that something that you'd be willing to do, Jay? I think so. And I think uh, we need to warn people um, that some of the language could get a little graphic. So yeah. um, just be We'll warned. try our best not to be gratuitous about it, but obviously there is plenty in the report that um, is very upsetting in nature. So obviously I would encourage anybody who wants to read the full report, just know that going in. It is not, they don't spare anything. It is really graphic. I'm just warning you guys that in advance. Yeah, I, we will be careful. I want to, I'm just going to settle myself down here a little bit. Um, and I think it's a good opportunity to let people know about our sponsors. 
um, who have been with us in good times and in bad. This is a bad time. Um, we're not going to make jokes about the ads. We're just going to, you know, give them what they pay for. We want to shout out our uh, lawyer friend, Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group, huge hockey fan. He was a guest on the show a while mm-hmm. back. Also informed a lot of uh, some of the stuff that I looked at today, and I kind of had that context from him, and I really deeply appreciated that, uh, him filling us in on some of that stuff. It was really helpful. And now that we have, um, you know, some clarity, I still think there's going to be more to come from this thing. We'll see. Um, But we'll definitely talk to Kent down the road. But if you are the victim of an injury uh, at the hands of someone else's uh, negligence, slip and fall cases, something happened at work, nursing home abuse, uh, injured as a result of hazardous drugs or products, reach out to Kent Sinson at the Sinson Law Group, 312-332-2107, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients, and the Sinson Law Group charges you no fees unless they win for you. So again, call 312-332-2107 or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N LawGroup.com. And our other sponsor, Fry the Coop, the best damn Nashville hot chicken on the planet. Go to frythecoop.com. Visit their locations in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, and Prospect Heights. Also in Tinley Park. That one is newly opened. That is my go-to Fry the Coop now that I'm closer to that one than I am to the Oaklawn one. Get the chicken tenders, the donut chicken sandwich, the Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Everything there is fantastic. If you want to melt your face off, they've got your back. If you're not in the heat at all, Order the country style and you'll be good to go. They've got a great craft beer menu as well. So go visit our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. All right, James, I will let you do the honors as you are a better uh, linguist than I am. Uh, if, if, if you want to read from the report here and share a few things and we can react kind of one by one. Sure. Um, basically, obviously, we all know kind of the broad parameters of what took place, which was that Brad Aldridge allegedly sexually assaulted a Blackhawks black ace player during the 2010 playoffs. The report goes into detail about both what the player said occurred during that. And by the way, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say this right off the bat. I've seen some folks trying to kind of suss out who uh, John Doe is or who Black Ace is. Black Ace 1 is. I have no interest in any of that. I'm not going to give any identifying information out about any of that. I think that is a pointless exercise and one that's frankly appalling to do. Yep. So I will not be doing that. Um, with that in mind, the player... Um, gave a obviously a drastically different accounting of what occurred um, the night at Brad Aldrich's apartment that Aldrich did. The player says that Brad Aldrich forced him to watch pornography. He touched him repeatedly, inappropriately, uh, sexually assaulted him, threatened his career if he didn't, quote, pretend to enjoy what was going on. And the player says that he, at his earliest opportunity, ran from the room, got dressed, ran from the room, left the scene, and eventually told Blackhawks higher-ups about the situation. Aldrich uh, told investigators that the encounter was consensual. All of it was consensual, said that he had received permission to engage in the sexual encounter with John Doe, said there was also a woman involved in it who had come to the apartment and then had left after playing strip poker and a couple of other games. Uh, John Doe said no sexual encounter occurred with that woman. She was also interviewed as part of the investigation, gave her uh, take on what had occurred that evening. And these accounts were all 
very divergent um, in terms of their content, but I think the summation is is that John Doe said a sexual assault occurred, and Brad Aldrich said that the encounter was consensual. So that's kind of the starting point of the investigation. We obviously did not know exactly what Brad Aldrich had to say for himself about the allegations. He says that they were consensual. Okay. I next. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm always going to, I'm always going to believe a victim and I, I, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's the whole thing's disgusting. I just, so, so ultimate there, uh, there is a little bit of murkiness as well on when exactly John Doe brought the encounter to the attention of the Blackhawks. There were several different people named in the report, including employee a, who said that they were told by John Doe different, uh, Different, I don't want to say different versions because that kind of insinuates that there was something kind of nefarious about what John Doe was telling everybody. They were all given kind of different details of the encounter, I think is what I would be comfortable saying. I feel like obviously John Doe was working through these things and kind of was telling people different facets of it. What ultimately happened is that the issue was brought to Al McIsaac, according to the report, and he dispatched the Blackhawks mental skills coach, Jim Gary, to talk to John Doe. And John Doe, he also spoke with Black Ace One, who allegedly received a photo of Brad Aldrich's penis um, during all of this. Uh, John Doe, by the way, alleged that Black Ace One was sexually assaulted, and Black Ace One insists that nothing of that nature occurred. Brad Aldridge said the same thing. So if you hear Black Ace One in context of this uh, conversation of this report, that is what they are referring to. So ultimately, Jim Gary talked to John Doe, who then relayed what he had heard to Al McIsaac in a meeting was called on May 23rd, the day the Blackhawks beat the San Jose Sharks in the Western Conference Final to advance to the Stanley Cup Final. Gary met with John McDonough, Al McIsaac, Stan Bowman, Jay Blunk, Kevin Cheveldayoff, and Joel Quenville to apprise them of the situation. All of the men differ in their details on what exactly they were told about what had occurred. What seems to be kind of a common thread is that they were all told that it was an unwelcome sexual advance because even Joel Quenville says he doesn't recall whether John Doe's name or Brad Aldrich's name came up during the conversation. Pretty much everybody else says that it did, but Joel kind of disputes that notion. What ends up happening after the meeting is a whole lot of nothing. Uh, Stan Bowman in his statement and in his comments to the investigators said that he believed that John McDonough was going to take care of it. Um, Other executives said they knew that there needed to be more follow-up on it, but they didn't necessarily. Uh, John McDonough was one of several people who kind of commented on what Joel Quenville was saying during this meeting and that he wanted to kind of focus on hockey. And ultimately that is what they did. The group kind of collectively they did not report this to hr they didn't report it to anybody they didn't follow up with john doe nothing happened between the day of this meeting and june 14th when john mcdonough brought the matter up to the team's hr department so in that three-week span the blackhawks won the stanley cup brad aldridge continued to be employed by the team cutting video doing his job meeting with players and then celebrated with the stanley cup went out with players allegedly grabbed a intern's crotch during this. And then John McDonough finally brought the matter up to HR on June 14th. And on June 16th, Brad Aldrich was 
given an ultimatum, which was either to resign or to face an investigation. And he ended up resigning, and nothing nothing more was done. No investigation was uh, undertaken. Brad Aldrich still got to have his day with the Stanley Cup, still got his name engraved on the Cup, still was at opening night at the United Center in 2010 when they unfurled the banner, and still got a Stanley Cup ring from Al McIsaac. And that name, Brad Aldrich, is on the Stanley Cup forever. It's still on there. Yep. Here's a something that bothered me. A uh, quote from the uh, from the findings says Bowman recalled that after learning of the incident, Quenville shook his head and said that it was hard for the team to get where they were and they could not deal with this issue now. Yeah. That that pretty much, even though it was not exactly stated by everybody in that fashion that is essentially what the consensus of the room ended up being and that's what I had kind of been talking about earlier about accountability that no one had the guts to stand up and say that that was the you know that what was said was wrong everybody just said yeah we just kind of left the meeting with no result no one admitted that that is what ended up happening but they basically got together and decided not to say anything that's what the report says can you and i just just chat just dudes being dudes i you know i understand that in this moment as you're in the gravity of the situation right and like you said earlier maybe not everyone knows the exact amount of detail as other people do, you know, maybe they just know like, Oh, Hey, something weird happened. You know how guys talk, they spare the details uh, when things get uncomfortable. But as this went on, people learned and I could see maybe May 23rd, May 24th being like, Oh, let's figure that out. This out later. But as time goes by the days, the weeks, the months, the years go by. How do you live with this? How do you sit by and be like, you know what? Nothing came of that. Brad Aldrich is is employed. He's working in hockey. He's working with young people. How do you just sit by? And and not, I I couldn't live with myself, James. And I don't think you could either. How could you like if you had this information? And you know, look, your boss said I'll handle it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I'm like okay, and then sure. probably didn't handle it. Yeah. Right, and maybe you believe that for a day or two or a couple months, and then the ring ceremony comes along. You're like, why is he here? Yep. He gets a day with the cup. Why is this happening? That's to me. Oh, oh, and by the way, another just like little great detail from the report. The employee that Brad Aldridge allegedly grabbed his crotch was with the Stanley Cup on its day with Brad Aldridge. He was one of two Blackhawk employees that were there. God. It's just, I don't know. It's just so disappointing. And look, I know it's, I know it's like pie in the sky to think that they're going to find out and immediately do the right thing. And everyone's going to say, damn it, we need to squash this thing. I get it. I, like, I'm like. i trying to look at this realistically. But again, when you see him at the ring ceremony, you see him at the cup celebration, you see him at the banner raising, that's got to raise a red flag. You're like, wait a minute. Why is this guy still here? Why is this guy still allowed near this team and near these players? Why is this allowed to happen? That to me McDonough is done on Quenville, by the way, said they had no quote, no idea why he got fired or why he resigned and left the team. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Right. Both of which were in the room when it happened. Yep. Totally. Yeah. I, I, it's just, it's just infuriating, man. It just is. And, and I've, I've heard from a lot of Hawks fans 
directly and indirectly that are really struggling with their fandom right now. And as you and I have said, from the moment we heard about these allegations, we're not going to judge you for never rooting for the Blackhawks again. We're not going to judge you for remaining a Blackhawks fan. The world is on fire, <laughs> right? Like if, if Blackhawks hockey, if watching puck go in net theoretically anyway, for the Blackhawks makes you happy, I don't, I'm not going to, to say you shouldn't give yourself that joy, but if you're done as a Hawks fan and you want to move on to another team, that's totally understandable too. I just, you know, it's, I I can't tell anyone how to react to this, but I think however you do, as long as there is empathy for the victim and eventual victims behind it, then I think you're fine. Right. I just, the only people I will take issue with are the ones who are up in arms saying that this is, you know, cancel culture, liberal nonsense or whatever. Uh, Clearly there was something horrible uh, done to John Doe and, um, and it's, it's tough as a fan to deal with this. I get it. I get it. And if you never, if you can't root for the Hawks anymore, I totally understand it. And look like this is not a one-off thing. There've been a lot of incidents that have gone away or have been swept under the rug under this regime, right? We talked about them in the past. Some of the things that happened with Patrick Kane and whatever happened in, in Buffalo, we'll never really know. But now looking back on those things, knowing what we know about this, they make things go away, right? They know how to make things go away. And it, and it just, it just sullies everything. It just, puts a stain on all of our fandoms on all of our memories. And it just, it sucks. It sucks that we as Hawks fans have to deal with this when all we want to do is watch hockey and enjoy hockey and cheer for the guys who put the puck in the net. Like we've done so many times and now it's just, it is just forever stained, man. I I don't know. I guess with time I'll, which is just natural. We'll kind of, move past it and get into the hockey thing. And they're playing the Leafs tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll have thoughts on the game when the game's over and as the game's happening, but this is going to be tough to forget about for a long time for me. It really is. Well, to your point about them kind of having a history of sweeping things under the rug, and I'm not going to infer that this was done uh, deliberately because obviously the investigation did not come to that conclusion. And I don't want to, you know, expose myself to legal hot water by insinuating otherwise the Blackhawks said or the investigation could not find Brad Aldrich's personnel file and so they have no idea of how the situation exactly was handled by HR apparently that is a Blackhawks team policy that they do not keep the personnel files of employees who are no longer with the organization Uh, The organization also does not have a policy of retaining emails sent by employees who are no longer with the team. So they do not have emails from John McDonough about the Brad Aldrich situation, and they don't have emails from Brad Aldrich about the situation. So there are still, I know, and this kind of goes to what I was talking about earlier with accountability. How can there be accountability if we still don't have a full picture of what happened? Because those kind of contemporaneous uh, pieces of evidence no longer exist. And that that obviously was a 
gigantic red flag when I read that in the report that they no longer had Aldrich's personnel file. That just was like, how can you, was that just literally you saying, ah, he's just another uh, former employee? He clearly was not just a former employee. If your HR department and your outside counsel basically gave him an ultimatum, either quit or we're going to investigate you. How can you not save that documentation? Unless there was something else going on there and that and having a lawyer in the room when that potentially happened kind of makes that question even more urgent and serious. Yeah, I you know, like you said, we we can't speculate too hard because we don't want to get ourselves in any legal sort of trouble. But I find it hard to believe that a company as big with a guy at the top like John McDonough, who doesn't really miss a step, um, would just conveniently like, oh, not missing a step. He sure didn't recall a lot of stuff that happened. He didn't even recall talking to HR about the situation on June 14th and bringing that forward to them. How do you forget that? Ask him, man. I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, I. it's convenient. It's it's very convenient. And just like the. Oh, yeah, I can't find the emails or the files. It's, that's bizarre. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Our, like our policy is that. Yeah, we just like, so if we, you know. If so, if a if a PR guy or whatever or an intern just leaves, I could see like, okay, getting rid of that file. But I'm telling you, every company keeps records of every employee they've ever had. Apparently, the Blackhawks do not do that as a matter of policy, according to the report. Believe that if you will or not, but that is that's just what the report said, man. Well, you know what that is? That's a bad policy. And that policy should probably um, change. Obviously. Was that outlined by Danny Wirtz in his list of improvements? I just, I can't, like, for the life of me, I can't imagine a lawyer being in a room and saying, you know, we probably should just go ahead and get rid of his personnel file. That's never going to come up again. Yeah, seriously. I, I want to say one thing, too. Danny Wirtz was not with the team when this happened. No, he wasn't. And up until this point, I've been pretty satisfied with the way Danny Wirtz has done things. Um... I don't like the fact that they let Sam Bowman say something. I, I don't think he should have been given the honor he of, didn't deserve, of an, and that's what I said yeah. earlier. They put it on friggin' Blackhawk's letterhead. Yeah. What he said. Maybe they'll throw that file out now though. Now that he's not with the organization anymore. Um, now that- he also resigned as a uh, general manager of USA hockey that also broke today. So yes, we should have mentioned that. Uh, the other thing too, is the league did find the Blackhawks, $2 million for inadequate procedures and mishandling of the incident. Maybe inadequate or procedures. Or $1 million less than they fined the New Jersey Devils for circumventing the salary cap with the Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah. And how about the draft pick thing for the uh, Coyotes? Yeah. Aha, you um, can't take draft picks away from us if we already traded them. Yeah. Um, there is one other bit of housekeeping I did want to bring up. I know in the past we have mentioned that – uh, the the lawsuit involving John Doe to the I believe student at Houghton High School in Michigan is that correct? Yeah, I, I am a little bit fuzzy on that particular detail, but apparently in the report, none of his future employers, including that high school, reported that they had received any sort of recommendation from the Blackhawks. Uh, John so, Doe too is the student from Houghton. Yes, I did want to make sure that that was the case, but he apparently did not receive any endorsements or recommendations from the Blackhawks when he got these jobs, according to the findings of the report. However, I will add the caveat. 
all Notre Dame did was confirm dates that he had worked there. They didn't confirm any additional information. And obviously some of the material related to his hiring at some of these places, including Houghton High School and Miami University, is apparently not available. But I will say that none recalled him getting a recommendation from the Blackhawks. So with all this news, the Blackhawks interim general manager is Kyle Davidson. Uh, young man. 32 years old. I think that's what I read earlier about him. Uh, asked some people I know that are still with the org um, <laughs> the, about him. Numbers guy, big numbers guy. And he was the guy who was tasked with negotiating the Dylan Strom contract this summer and the Dominic Kubli contract, um, both of which are kind of praised for being really fair deals. So he's the guy in charge for now. We don't know what that means going forward. If he's going to be the GM going forward, we don't know what this means for Jeremy Colleton. Um, but we do know that the last supporter in the world that Jeremy Colleton seemed to have was Stan Bowman. And if you saw the news this morning before all of this broke, uh, Emily Kaplan, who has been all over Blackhawks news, uh, remember she had almost every scoop this season uh, heading into the preseason. She had the Seth Jones thing first. She had a ton of stuff ahead of anybody. So she's got good sources at the Hawks. Um, she basically says that Stan Bowman loved Jeremy Cowlton. Didn't think he would get the chance to hire another coach. So it was a little bit more protective of him there. Well, guess what? Stan, you're right. You don't get to hire another coach, hopefully anywhere ever in any way, shape or form. Yeah, all that stuff is just so secondary to me right now, just with all of the things that have been obviously going on with this report being released today. Like, I barely have given a second thought to the fact that the Blackhawks are 0-5-1 and that they're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night, and who knows if they're going to win that game or not, I think. And we also didn't mention Jonathan Taves got put in COVID protocol today. Mm -hmm. So now he and Patrick Kane are both in the COVID protocol along with several other players and coaches. This whole situation has just been a cluster from the word go, and now you have this report on top of it, and – it just it kind of casts all of that into, you know, a light of you know what really matters and what doesn't. And what really matters is that we're finally getting the full scope of the way that the Blackhawks uh, mishandled this situation, the way they ignored their own guidelines or had guidelines that made completely no sense whatsoever. And I, I got to be honest with you, Jay, it's hard for me to move past that kind of thing right now and to think about other things involving Jeremy Colleton and his future with the team. Like the on-ice product just really doesn't matter to me on a day like today. And, no, nor and should I know it. a lot of Blackhawk fans feel the exact same way. Nor should it. And if you're feeling, you know, listening to this and you're feeling frustrated and you're feeling angry and you don't want to hear about it anymore, sit with that a little bit and just remind yourself that this – silly sport we talk about where men put rubber discs uh, between steel pipes is just a game. And that's what these men in charge, Stan Bowman, Kevin Sheveldayov, Joel Quenville, John McDonough, Al McIsaac, all lost sight of during the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2010 and, you know, ignored for years and years and years beyond that. This is a game. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Right. It might bring you joy for a few night for a few hours a night. It might bring you misery for a few hours a night. But at the end of the day, 
It's just a game. And lives were affected forever in this thing. And remember that. Like we keep saying John Doe 1, John Doe 1, John Doe 1. John Doe 1 is a human being. John Doe 1 is someone's son, someone's brother, maybe someone's father right now. We don't know. Right? That's a that's a human being that went through these things. Yeah. And this organization, you know, really, I guess, leaned in on their whole one goal thing because they did not lose sight of what they set to be the most important thing. Yeah. And looking back on that slogan, it it's kind of gross now, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. at the time you're like, hell yeah, that's it. Win the cup at all costs. Well, this is not what we meant when we said that. It's, Boy, yeah, it's, it certainly turned out to be at all costs. Um, I also obviously want to shout out vict- other victims of sexual assault who have undoubtedly been uh, hurt uh, by these allegations as they've come out and now have to kind of face these things down again. I'm Obviously, my heart is with all of you guys today, too. That yeah. is something that no person should ever have to go through, and just to have kind of something like this dragged through the public eye can't be easy and i'm thinking about all of you guys too it cannot be an easy day at all yeah definitely well said um i perfectly said by you so i'm not gonna i ditto is what i'll say and i also want to um shout out the reporters that have done a good job of following this and and not letting go they're sinking their teeth and you know uh, rick westhead from tsn from day one has been all over this and it's sort of you've seen him get frustrated with the lack of coverage and, and you know, him and I have talked offline several times and he says, why is this not a bigger story? And I try to explain to him, like the Hawks just don't move the needle unless they're in the playoffs. They don't move the needle and there's bears and there's cubs and there's socks and there's everything else. And then way down here is the Hawks. And I know, you know, that's why this podcast exists because there are, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 Blackhawks fans in Chicago that need an outlet but overall, the Hawks don't move the needle. And to Rick Westhead, that was hugely frustrating because he said this should be a giant scandal and it's not. And it's frustrating. And I was with him and I agreed with him. Uh, he was super generous uh, on and offline. Katie Strang with The Athletic, who covers all of these terrible stories in hockey. And those are the hardest things to cover because you get no cooperation. No one wants to see you. No one wants to talk to you. So yeah. shout out to the two of them. And I, and I think locally uh, the beat guys did a, a solid job. And I think it does warrant some acknowledgement that it is a different situation for them where they have to be there every day. They have to be able to continue to do their jobs. Um, and I think they did a fine job, but, but especially Rick Westhead and Katie Strang from the athletic uh, just really did not let this story go and have not relented since. And uh that's what I'm talking about. That's that's really solid journalism, and they deserve praise for that as well. So uh, I know that, you know, James and I did our best to uh, keep it back in mind and, and remind you that it was going on while acknowledging our, I don't know, I guess you would say our weaknesses in the area of investigation and investigative reporting and those sort of things and sort of leaving it to the experts, which is why we had Ken Simpson on and, and uh, some other things. So... Um, I, I just appreciate everybody sticking with us. I know it's been a really, really hard day to be a Blackhawks fan, and we get it. And uh, we thank you for choosing to come here uh, to hear us vent, because just as we can be an outlet for you guys, you are an outlet for us as well. So we appreciate you letting us uh, let this out tonight, because it was 
for me especially, it was festering all day. I had a, a family arrangement. I want to congratulate my brother-in-law, Chris, who was named battalion chief uh, for the Bolingbrook Fire Department tonight. That's a cool title, man. Yeah, so that's where we were uh, at his uh, in- induction uh, this evening out in Bolingbrook. So congrats to Chris and uh, my sister-in-law, Natalie. Um, really happy for them. And so I had to sort of sit with this thing all day long, wanting to get it out. And I got it out, and I don't feel better. <laughs> I thought maybe I would feel better, but I, quite honestly, I don't right now. Yeah. But uh, Well, I mean, you said it, you said it perfectly earlier, buddy. Uh, this is going to be a situation that we're going to kind of have to learn to deal with in the coming days and weeks. I don't know how I'm going to feel about the Blackhawks tomorrow or any time beyond that. This is a team that I've obviously followed with my whole heart for a long time, and I've now worn the twin caps of fandom and analyst for a very long time now. I fully intend to keep wearing the second hat and to keep analyzing what this team does on the ice and regular scheduled programming about Jeremy Colleton's system being an enigma and all of that, that other hat, that fandom hat is something that I'm going to have to think long and hard about putting back on. And I'd imagine a lot of Blackhawk fans feel the same way and about their relationship with the team. And I think that in the days and weeks ahead on this podcast, I think we're probably going to be grappling with that to some extent. And I hope that you guys kind of understand that and that you kind of share with us what you're thought processes are on the situation I'm really curious to kind of get the pulse of Blackhawks nation as we kind of move forward from this and to kind of hear what you guys think and I assure you we will not be shy about telling you guys what we think yeah and I'm going to speak for myself and I I I was sort of as this press conference was approaching I thought about what the result of that conference was going to mean to me and how huge of a part of my life the Blackhawks are and were. And if, if Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac or, you know, and or Al McIsaac were retained, I was seriously considering divorcing myself from this huge part of my life, which would be catastrophic, just monumental in so many ways. I wrote a book about the team. I have a podcast about the team. My wife and I fell in love going to games together in the 2000s when they were terrible. That's that's how we started dating. My daughter was born the night the Hawks won game three against the Sharks. You know the date of that game of my daughter's birth? May 22nd, 2010. The day before, John Doe won, went to the Hawks with this situation. So don't think that that date resonates with me because it does. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't think this was going to happen, honestly, but it's hard. And I'm glad that the, the right outcome today happened. And I hope that the right outcome regarding the situation continues to happen. And I think with Bowman and McIsaac gone, I could probably regain my fandom a little bit in a little while. Um, Cause frankly, I, you know, it's just been such an important part of my life, this team, and to be let down so hard by uh, people who have brought so much joy to me and my family and, frankly, like, success in my career and all that. And it's just so hard for me to sit here with this tonight 
and feel the way I feel about all those men I wrote about in my book in glowing terms. And it's just, that's on paper forever. <laughs> and I, I almost want to put a footnote and, you know, write the publisher and say, Hey, from here on out, please publish this disclaimer that this book was written before any of these allegations came to light. Cause it's I, I very hard that, for me to look at that book and the things I said about those men right now mm-hmm. and not feel a certain way about it. Well, I think that we all kind of grow in our knowledge of the things we love and of the world itself. And I think that um, obviously this is going to be a really, it's going to be a really difficult process to kind of go through. And I know it almost sounds silly to talk about something like sports fandom in this way, but you illustrated it perfectly. Like these teams can mean something to you beyond just you know, the silly sport of hockey involving the rubber puck and the goalposts and all that. These are relationships that we have created. And obviously I don't have, you know, an awesome story about how my wife and I fell in love watching the Blackhawks and my daughter was born, you know, around the time the Blackhawks clinched their Stanley Cup final berth. I don't have those stories, but what I do have is a lot of really deep and good, meaningful relationships that I have made with people through Twitter and through the sport of hockey and through the Blackhawks. And despite the fact that this team has obviously let thousands of its fans down and caused probably many thousands to kind of disavow their allegiance to that team, the fact remains that those relationships were forged thanks to that team. And I hope that out of something truly ugly and something truly awful, that something beautiful will remain from it. And it is those relationships and it is those memories. And that's the thing that I keep kind of telling myself as we move forward that even amidst all the darkness and all the crap, there is still that beautiful thing and those types of memories and relationships. Yep. And they can't take that stuff away from you. So, you know, yeah, it, it might feel different, but I still love my wife. My daughter's still here. I still have those friends I made um, from the old blackhawkzone.com days sitting in section 329 shouting to Mike, the beer vendor on the other side of the arena that we needed beer because <laughs> he could hear us when <laughs> fire Sutter, they could hear that. They could hear everything. Uh, those memories will never be gone. So anyway, let's wrap things up. I uh, want to thank our sponsors, Fry the Coop, the Simpson Law Group, and Triple Threat Sports. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.